Rick is preaching from Colossians this morning, 1, 15 through 22. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Thanks, Kelly. Good morning, everybody. How's it going? Um, let's, uh, I'd like to, to pray again, if, if you don't mind. You came to church this morning, so I'm assuming you don't mind. God, thanks for today. Thank you for uh, these people who have gathered uh, in your name, Father. I pray that you would um, draw us closely to yourself as we uh, seek to hear from you, Father. Lord, I pray that you would illuminate your son Jesus and his character to us this morning. Uh, Lord, we love you and we give you praise and glory and honor. And we, uh, we ask that you free us from distraction this morning and allow us to dig deep into your word and understand the character of your son Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. So we're launching out this morning and we're kind of in the middle of a, of a big big picture thing, a uh, series where we're uh, kind of talking about the body of Christ, and, and we just finished Beauty or Beast, and this is a sort of a, a mini uh, part two of that, and just talking about the character of Jesus um, and some character traits of him. Um, we're not going to look at Gospels. We're going to look at uh, the writings of Paul as he has the, the character of, of Christ revealed to him in the midst of that, or to us in, in what he's speaking to us. So um, I want to press us into that idea. And, and this, this sort of the, the, big, the big idea is that we want to, as individuals and as a corporate body, uh, think about the character of Jesus. Jeff, fire that, that slide with the arrows on it. Um, this, this picture is kind of... This is the idea of, of the series. So I, I want to just look at this together. So up above there, we see the character of Jesus and those arrows pointing down. Um, so as, as a church, I feel like the vision for us, the purpose of our existence as a church, as people who, who come together in a time, in a place, in a building, as a place called North Church, the biggest thing, the biggest vision for us, the thing that we want to do, what we want to accomplish is to, to examine and study and understand the character of Jesus Christ and then have that pressed into us in such a way, in such depth, that it begins to flow from us. And the, the way that we interact with our culture, the way that we interact with each other, the way that we interact with other relationships outside of the church is informed and is is founded upon this idea that the character of Jesus is being pressed into us. And that happens in two ways, individually to us, but also for, for, for us as a, as a body. And so 
as you engage with North Church, whether you've been here since the beginning 10 years ago or you, this is your first Sunday, as you engage with the body, the hope is that the character of Jesus would be being revealed. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to look at some character traits of who Jesus is. Very careful that my verb choice there, the tense of my verb choice, who Jesus is, so that that might press into us and the character of Jesus might flow in and through us, both corporately and individually. So that's kind of the the big picture of, of where we're going for the next three weeks. Now let's dig into this particular passage in Colossians 1 about this character of Jesus. Understanding we're in search of the character of Jesus Christ. First, uh, verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Um, like this, all of Colossians 1, but in particular this verse and another one we'll see in a, in a minute. The truest picture that you have of who God is is Christ. So as we, we study the Gospels and as we study the epistles that talk about the Gospels and talk about who Jesus is, um, we, we can see that, that God himself is being revealed in the character of Christ. So as we, we encounter a revelation of who Jesus is and his character, we see God as well. Verse 16, um, and this is, this is deeply important, um, and we're going to be thinking a lot this morning, so, so Come on with me. Verse 16. For by him all things were created. Like think about that for a second. By him, by God, by Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers, all things were created through him and for him. So Jesus is the the essence of all creation, but I, I think... The beautiful part that I want to want to bring to us, we we can see that, like we know that 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 this all this creation is is by Jesus, but it's also for Jesus. Like being Western middle class suburbanite Christians, we can easily see that Jesus is for us. Well, there's some truth to that. The stuff that Jesus did was for our benefit, yes. But more than that, you, everything that Christ has done for you is about him. Let's process through that a second. Brian Chappell, former president of a seminary here in town, now pastors a church uh, in Peoria, says this, God is unfolding a plan in which Jesus is the culminating piece. God is unfolding a plan in, like, and and again, go back to that that image we saw earlier. This is who we are as a a corporate body called North Church, and this is who you are as an individual. Whatever your name is, this is who you are. God is unfolding a plan in your life and in the life of this church. Hear me? God is unfolding a plan in your life and in this church and in this world in which the culminating piece is Christ himself. Jesus is the goal of creation. Let me say that again. Jesus is the goal of creation. Do we walk around this earth with that understanding? 
Like we have checklists. We have goals that we want to accomplish. Maybe the first part of the year, you write goals for 2017. Maybe like people who, who, are, in, who are in sales, maybe they have sales goals. Jesus is the goal of all creation. You and I were created for Jesus. Our highest existence is Jesus. He's the ultimate piece of who you are and why you are. Jesus is the ultimate piece of why you are. There's nothing greater than Jesus. I want to read this over you. It's on the screen as well. In all of Scripture, God is not just giving us a list of duty. In other words, things that you need to be doing. In all of Scripture, God is not just giving you duty, not just saying this is what you need to do. Or doctrine, this is what you must believe. He is not just saying, here are the things you need to do and not do. Here are the things you need to believe and not believe. He is saying, here is how I am providing for people who cannot provide for themselves. Jesus. Like that's, there's some weight to that. But there's, there's this spark that can be created when we connect with, with the value and, and the heart of that. Everything in scripture, the duty, the doctrine, the narrative, the stories, all the commands, everything, everything in this book is pointing to Jesus. And therefore, if we are to press the character of Christ into us, everything about us as individuals and as a collective needs to be pointing to the sufficiency of Christ. There's not a greater thing that I can proclaim to us than to center our existence around Jesus. Go to verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This one is, that one's really hard for me. In Christ, all things are held together. In Christ, all things are held together. And I look around my planet, I look around my city, and I, I have a hard time. Get this thing together, Jesus. Like This verse is hard for me. Is it hard for you? Can we be honest with each other? All things are held together by Jesus. Then why is there pain here? I've lived in Ferguson since I was six months old. And I see all this misrepresentation of Christ, but I see a lot of, of Ferguson, I'm sorry, and, and I see all this stuff in life, and I see the society, and, and I see the politics, and I see poverty, and I see everything in this world, and I wonder how verse 17 can be true and Jesus still be good. Do you wonder that? If you're paying attention and you're honest about your faith, you probably should be. But I think we're taught as kids, if you're a church kid, you're taught to dismiss that. But you can't escape the reality of what you see. But there's something, I think the preeminence of Christ speaks to us that there's something bigger than this moment. There's something bigger than the 70-ish years you get to spend on this planet. 
There's something bigger, and it's Jesus. And he is preeminent. So what it says in verse 18. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the head of the body of the church. Let me, let me explain what that means. Jesus is the head. Headship does not mean authority. Headship means responsibility. Jesus is responsible for the church. And that's a global church, and that's a specific church, and that's your own personal heart. Jesus is responsible for it. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Um, last night, Mia, my 12-year-old daughter, asked me what the sermon was about today. And I said, Jesus is preeminent. And she's like, what? What does preeminent mean? Preeminent means to have first place. To have first place. Jesus has first place. Everything that exists in this world, every thought that you have ever had, every life that's ever been lived is about him. Every word, if Jesus is preeminent, every word that's ever been written in every translation of every language of scripture is about Jesus. am Am I being clear? Am I being redundant enough? Everything is about him. There's nothing that's not about him. Everything is about him. He is preeminent. This is our our Christ, and it's it's getting it's getting better. Um, uh, a, a big part of who we are as a church is this: what what we long to do. As, as your leaders, what we strive to do is, here's Jesus, here's the truth of what Scripture is saying to you, now you go and figure out what that looks like for you in your context. So this is like, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with application of this idea, but I want to encourage you to spend a lot of time with the application of this idea. What does it mean for you as a friend for everything in this world to be about Jesus. What does it mean for you as a member of North Church that everything is about Jesus? Man, that's that's a big one. Because we want to we want to insert ourselves. What does it mean for your thoughts? That everything is about Jesus. What does it mean for your marriage? That everything is about Jesus. Process, chase those thoughts. Here's permission from a pastor to ignore the, the, the next 15 minutes and think about that. What does the preeminence of Christ mean to you? How does that change anything in your life? Um, Jeff, throw that scale up there. Uh, I want to bring this picture in front of us. Think about the preeminence of Christ on one side of this scale. And then put an aspect of your life on the other side. They need to balance one another. Your understanding that every 
breath and thought and action and word and everything that has ever happened on this planet is, a, is for Jesus and his glory. What is, how much weight needs to be on the other side to completely reconcile that? Consider, think. That's your homework. Verse 19. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Paul is redundant here. He said, already said the same thing in verse 15. Everything that is God is present in Christ. So, verse 20 uh, begins, he is, is a transition. Everything 15 to 19 is, is what Jesus is, that is preeminent to who Jesus is, where he gets specific character traits of, of who Jesus is. Verse 20. Now through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the cross. The point of this series, the point of this passage, the point of this sermon is to see the character of Jesus and then model or attempt to model the character of Jesus. This, this is the central verse for that idea. Jesus reconciled. Jesus reconciled. All right, let's, let's back up a little bit and, and see that you're for Jesus. Your existence here is for Christ. And a specific character trait of Christ is that he reconciled things. If you are here for Jesus, we ought to be about reconciling things. Look around your world, look around your life, look around the little circles that you find yourself in and look around the big circles that you find yourself in to model the character of Jesus is to reconcile. What's broken in our world? Some of you have open journals in front of your lap. Write down something in there that's broken in your world. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's something bigger. Write down something that's broken. And then ask God to show you what it means, what your role is in that reconciliation. Um... Here's a definition, several definitions that I found about reconciling. Bringing broken things together, making peace, connecting enemies, bringing love and hope to loveless and hopeless people and situations. That's a, that's a good one. I think that's a, that's a good one for us. Bringing love and hope to loveless and hopeless people and situations. Like this is the call of your life. The reason you're here, the reason you're here is to bring love and hope to loveless and hopeless. Man, here's, here's the deal. This is a, a frustrating thing for me to pastor a church in North County, is that there's a lot of, like, the idea that permeates our culture is we need to get out of this place. If I can make a little bit more money, I can go live someplace else someplace better. But if, if the reality is that we are, we are here 
on this planet to reconcile things, if, if everything that's here is about Christ and not about us, we ought, people ought to be beating down the doors to get here. The hopeless and loveless is all around us. Do you, do you, see, do you view the world that way? If we see hopelessness, that ought to be exciting for us. Think about Jesus leaving the perfection of heaven for all eternity past, receiving praise, glory, and honor, and everything was about him. And he left to come to this place because he found hopelessness here. And he wanted to inject his hope here. This is the character of Christ. And if we're really serious about what we say we're really serious about, We've got to be about injecting hope into hopelessness. And the beautiful part about that is that's where joy is found. Do you, like, I think I don't have to spend a lot of time convincing you that the pursuits of this world, the things this world tells us are valuable, are really not. Do I need to spend time convincing you of that? The second thing that verse 20 shows us about the character of Christ is that Jesus sacrificed through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. His reconciliation came at the price of the sacrifice of his life. Jesus sacrificed. Um... Last week, we, when we talked about communion, we talked about the idea that communion is exclaiming, Jesus exclaiming that you are more important than me. And that's true. On the cross, as we celebrate communion, and we'll take it again here in a little bit, as we celebrate communion, we're exclaiming the fact that Christ on the cross and in his resurrection said that you are more important than me. But I think there's a deeper piece that I wish I would have said yesterday, but, or last week, but luckily I get to say it this week. Um, the most self-interested thing that you can do is to sacrifice. The most self-interested thing that you can do is to sacrifice. Likely... This is opinion here. I'm not speaking authoritatively. This is opinion. Likely, the most Christ-serving thing that Christ ever did was die on the cross. Hebrews says that Christ endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. The most self-interested thing that you can do, and we are self-interested creatures, you are a self-interested creature. You're a self-interested creature because you were made in the image of God. The most self-interested thing that you can do is sacrifice. Men, look at me for a second. Men that are married, look at me for a second. The most self-interested thing that you can do today is to find a job that's your wife's and do that job today. That's self-interested. Because when we act like Jesus, 
sacrifice, when we sacrifice like Christ did, when we put the welfare of another above the welfare of ourselves, God shows up every time. I promise. The most self-interested thing that we can do, the thing that will bring you the most and greatest joy is to sacrifice. I dare you to try to, to ask to, to do that. To trust the Lord in, in that respect. Um, I want to tell an illustration as we're kind of winding down here today. Um, a while back, I don't remember when it was, a month ago or so, um, I developed what I thought was like this rash and went to the doctor and found out that it was shingles. I had shingles and I still have a little bit of it on me. Uh, be careful how you hug me today. Um, that's why I wore this long sleeve shirt. It's not true. Um, shingles uh, are, for those, if you've ever had shingles before, you probably know this. If you haven't, I might bring you some, something medical for you today. Shingles, if you've had chicken pox when you were a kid, you have the virus in you that creates and causes shingles. It's dormant. Two things about life wake up the dormant virus in you that, that showed up as chicken pox as a kid and will show up as shingles as an adult. They are stress and immune deficiency. So when those things kind of come together, when immune deficiency comes together with stress, if you have the virus in you, it wakes up and shingles happen. Um, and shingles are, are not any fun. It's been a tough month or so. But the illustration is the virus of joy. Please go with me there. The virus of joy resides in the follower of Christ. Everything that's necessary for ultimate happiness in you is there. The likelihood is it's lying dormant. And you need something to trigger that, to wake it up from its dormancy. And then come out in such a way that it's, it's see, you can see it, it's obvious, you can feel it. You can, for, for me, shingles was painful and itchy and uncomfortable and just terrible. But if you can, if you can flip that, the joy virus is in you. And as we reveal and live out the character traits of Jesus... They explode out of us. And, and we feel them. And we feel the presence of a holy God. Like I felt the presence of those terrible shingles. That's the truth of what's here and what's in us and what's able to come out of us. Test God in it. I dare you. Act like Jesus. See the character of Christ being revealed in us. And that's like at the beginning. I showed you that image of of Christ and the character of Jesus individually and corporately. Like, this is where we're going, people. Trying to understand and press the character of Jesus in, into us in a very self-interested way. Do you guys want to be happy? Do you guys want to be joyful? 
Yes. Here's the path. The path isn't a bigger, better life or a house or a job or something. The path is the character of Jesus pressed into your soul. This is Jesus. Let me end with the last couple of verses. Actually, hold on. Um, Sacrifice, great opportunity. You guys turn around and look at that school supply donation box back there. It's full now, but that's for a lot of schools throughout the area of North County. We're going to empty that. It's really full, so you guys won't feel bad that there's nothing in there. Um, But here's an opportunity to sacrifice. Skip the coffee. Skip the the dinner, the dessert at dinner. Skip something and, and go buy some pencils. Go buy some pencils. There's uh, something in your bulletin about a million meals. There's, uh, read more about it uh, in, in your bulletin. An opportunity for us to serve and give a million meals out to the community. To the world, actually. Go to a school this week. There's, there's teachers in this room. Kelly's back there nodding her head. Teachers, kids are going, some are going back to school this week. Some are going back to school next week. But teachers are there right now. Walk to a school in your neighborhood. Knock on the front door and say, I hope you don't think this is weird. I live down the street. I'd like to come and read to kids or tutor kids or do something with kids today. Kelly, how excited would you be if if some random person showed up at your door like that? Yeah. Everybody that's in this room, there's a school within a mile of your house. I promise you. Go knock on that door tomorrow. Here's even more to sacrifice Take a vacation day three times a semester and on a Friday go sit and read the kids. Um, Lots of opportunities. You go figure it out how you can sacrifice. Verse 21 and 22, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body and flesh by his death in order to present you as holy and blameless above reproach before him. Holy and blameless. This is the life of Christ for you to present you to God holy and blameless. Rest in that. You, one of my favorite phrases in all of scripture is because of Christ, you are holy and blameless. I do this from time to time. Let's do it this morning. Let's, I want you to say, let's say it together. I am holy and blameless, all right? You guys ready? I am holy and blameless. Let me say that again, and then I'm going to pause, and I want you to consider what you just said. I am holy and blameless. Part of the reason you are holy and blameless is because Christ has sent you on a mission to proclaim his character in some capacity in your heart, in the little circles around you, and in the bigger circles around you to go and proclaim that. Ephesians 2 says you are God's workmanship. You are his craftsmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. And that's why you're here. 
for Jesus. Let's pray, and I'll let you chew on that. God, I thank you so much, so much for your son Jesus. God, I thank you that you have revealed the wonderful and beautiful character of your son Jesus to us in such a way that we can interact with it, Father. God, thank you. Oh, how I thank you for Jesus. God, I pray that you would stir up activity in the hearts of a few, Father, and they might lead us as a body to go and reconcile and sacrifice like your son did. And we might see and experience you in a, in a way. Wake up the dormancy in our spirits. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.